Dude, this mortgage buying process is, or this house buying process is absolutely awful. Yeah, I don't want to do it. No. Um, they keep asking me to submit the same information over and over again. And I'll tell you this, uh, owning an LLC or a business and being like self-employed is like the worst thing you can do if you're looking to get a mortgage. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) they already have like an, they already have like a bias against business owners because they, you know, I I guess, I don't know what it is. Like a lot of business owners don't, you know, handle their money well or something, Mm -hmm. but my money is like very walled off. I, I, I format our money based off of profit first for the business but also like for my individual self but they asked me for some stuff like that didn't make any sense so i asked jeff our accountant and i was like hey what are they asking for here and then he explained so like just some background information was they they were questioning a line item in there and they're like hey you paid uh this amount in quarterly like you said quarterly taxes but then you owed this amount for your last year taxes can you explain the discrepancy i'm like it's not a discrepancy I paid last year's taxes in May. The stuff that you're seeing in July is what I, is my quarterly taxes that I'm paying for next year. And Estimates. They, yeah, and they just don't understand that. So I asked Jeff, I, I told Jeff that. I'm like, this this doesn't make any sense. And he goes, yeah, a lot of banks right now are having very like um, biased decision-making processes around loans right now because they're expecting the market to just crash. And I'm like, what do you mean expecting? It already did crash. <laughs> but I think what he means is, is a recession. And yeah, and they're just being hypersensitive to who they loan money out to. That's weird. It's strange too. Like how, so in contrast, something I've researched, I've spent a decent amount of time looking into is the like permanent residency and naturalization process. If you want to become Japanese or, you know, either get permanent residency or if you do want to become Japanese, then what the nat- naturalization process is like. And I was going through some Reddit threads and I had seen one guy who specialized in and in, in helping people accomplish that sort of thing. And he said out of 300 people that he had helped accomplish that, only one time it was rejected. And you could guess uh, what that person was doing with their life at that point in time. And they were not employed by a large company. <laughs> so it's weird um, being here in the US where we are very pro-business and it's actually relatively easy to do business if you want to do business. You compare that and think about how other places make it much more difficult or have even more bias because I've experienced it too. I can't even think of the situations, but more recently because like I don't, I don't have a day job, this is the sole source of income. And there's, there's a plenty big enough savings cushion padding to cover things, but they don't care about that and they don't want to see that. They just want to see what's coming in and that's how they make their judgments. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's well, it's frustrating because it's like, you know, things that like people like say there are companies that are very pro business, but then it's like, okay, then why do you make it? Why do you have so many hoops to jump through just just Mm -hmm. to, you know, handle this? Like you dealt with the same problem with being remote. It's like nobody understands remote work and it's 2022. Like we've already had the pandemic. How do you not have a process for handling someone who owns a business that doesn't have an office location. Yep. And what you ran with that was you were running into that problem with our bank. Yes. Well, not okay. To be fair, not our bank. Our bank has actually been amazing with this. And that's why we ended up going back. So we up until recently, we had been using somewhat recently as a while ago now using my uh, personal credit card for business because it was going to be such a hassle at the time to get approved for a business card because of the paperwork that they required and the the background. We, we looked at it right away and they said, you just don't have enough history. You don't have enough to go off of for us to do this. So it's not worth it. So we didn't use that. And then we started looking for business credit cards. And because we put ad spend on the credit card, we want to uh, take advantage of whatever the most 
beneficial bonus programs are. So one of them was, I think it was Capital One has some of the best ones, and they just were not cooperating at all. They're asking for things, and I would try to explain to them. I, I gave them all supporting stuff that I could, but just said, uh, one, we tried to hide our address <laughs> because legally, the the legal address, if you look it up with the state, is going to just be my place. And there's nothing. I'm living here. That's it. I'm working here. But people aren't coming here. That's just what we have to do uh, for paperwork and whatnot. So we have a PO box and that's what we try to direct everything to when we have to do paper stuff. But even then we try to avoid that as much as possible. So they weren't cooperating. We went back to the bank, well, Viridian Credit Union. So they're a credit union and explained the situation to them. And they said, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. That's fine. So they're much more understanding and you would think for a company that has that's like actually remote, like Capital One, they would have they would understand, you yeah. know, how another remote company works, and and I mean remote as in like they don't have any physical office like branches, and that's how they can have such high APYs and uh, you know HISA accounts, which is because they don't have any overhead, mm-hmm. and which is I don't know, it's frustrating. Uh, anyways, this is all really great segues. Uh, to our first ever topical podcast episode, which is all, all about recessions for agencies. I don't know what the title of this is going to be yet. It, it, the The working title was "Recession Proofing Your Agency," but to be honest, something about recessions. Yeah, recessions it's you know something something recession recession spooky. Um, but yeah, I mean, and a lot of the things that we already just talked about in that opening there are literally things to, that we're going to cover in this episode, like having low overhead. Uh, which we can do with a uh, remote business. So I think we'll jump in. We'll jump right in into um, our first one, which is trim the fat. So there is this. I've covered it. We've covered it in a previous episode about like getting fancy software just for the sake of getting fancy software. And this is one of those things where it's like you should only have what you need to operate, especially if you don't have a lot of clients. And uh, you know you've got to trim the fat. We're working on trimming the fat right now. We're we're trying to get rid of an uh, expensive reporting tool we're using and using a uh, the free Google Data Studio tool, which you're you're heading. Yeah, and that is a good time. Good time. I have no idea. It's it's annoying to go from working on something like a multi month process of of something that you are familiar with and just know you need to do the work for and then go back to square one of okay i am an idiot again and i know nothing about what i'm about to get myself into and i need to go learn it and then do it after i learn it so that's where i'm at because I, I have seen stuff with data studio and i know it's it's most likely going to be uh, sufficient for our needs but actually learning how to do and implement these things um, especially with my learning style because i like to learn everything, including more than what I will ever need to know about whatever it is that uh, I'm learning, and then go actually make the the functional important part of it. But the reason that we're looking into it is because it's free. And we already drink Google's Kool-Aid with all the other tools. We're using Google Ads, Google Analytics, Search Console, Google Voice, Google Workspace. I mean, we were deep in it. So it makes sense for us to work with it. And they keep it seems that they keep growing their integrations with other platforms too. So this reminds me of the pimp my ride meme with exhibit where he's like, I heard you like Google. So we put Google on your Google (laughs) so you can Google while you Google. (laughs) 
that's that's <laughs> yeah. us but uh yeah so like that that's just one way that we're trimming the fat but ultimately being as lean as possible isn't going to save you save your agency from a recession or really save any business from a recession part of the reason why we're remote is because we don't have any uh, offices or overhead that we have to really worry about except for payroll so whatever we put away into savings is literally to cover payroll make sure people have jobs make sure people are, are getting paid and uh we do that a lot with the profit first system so Mike Mike Michalowicz, I think that's his name. He's got a book called Profit First, and you should definitely read it because it's all about segmenting your money and making sure that you pay yourself a profit before you even pay like any of your bills. And then whatever's left over, if you don't have money for your bills, then you have too many bills. And one of the ways that we do it too is we have a capital expense account, which covers all of our kind of overhead stuff, reporting, website hosting, um, our CRM. And the rule that we set for ourselves that we don't always follow, but we have a rule, which is we don't want our the monthly capital expenses to equal uh, half of the percentage allocation that we put in there. So if we put 10% of our monthly revenue into capital expenses, we should only be spending up to 5% of that. That way, there's just some room to take on something, let's say, one of our employees' computers break. And now we've got to pull from the capital expense fund to then pay for that. But if we're always operating at 100% of our capital expense allocation, then we can't we can't do that. We've got to pull from savings, and savings is meant for payroll. Yeah, I think the that's a it is recession related. It's more so just be put on some big boy pants and run a business like a business. We put up walls between our accounts, uh, and whatever's in that account gets used. It gets used for that purpose, and like with physical accounts, like not just on like a yes. t- like not like on a t sheet, like you do an accounting class. Like mm-hmm. like have a have a we have our local credit union Viridian where we have set up like, I don't know, there's like seven accounts in there. And then we log into a dashboard and every account has its own nickname, has its own account number. And then when we do uh, monthly uh, accounting or monthly whatever we call it, and um, we'll go through and we'll allocate the percentages to each account and make sure each account has money in it allocated specifically for that purpose. Mm. And it's, this was uh, Jake's idea. Originally, he presented to me. I was, of course, like everything, hesitant first, and then groups really like it. And it it's, I never realized, the best way I could describe why it's beneficial is many people are so emotionally attached to their business money, and they don't see it as money in their business. They see it as their money. So when things are in specific accounts, it's no longer your money. It's that account's money serving that specific purpose. And the money that's your money is in the your money account. <laughs> that's where it's going. That's your profit. That's your payroll, you know, depending on how you're structured. But when you think of it that way, it's much less emotional to make those calculated decisions. Well, every time like we meet up and like Evergrow pays for um, like our pastry <laughs> and our coffee, <laughs> Lauren gets in line. I'm like, go ahead. It's on Evergrow. But like, it's not like, She's like, oh, well, like, thanks. I'm like, no, 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 it's not. I'm not paying for it. Evergo's paying for it. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's always funny because we'll get that in different ways too where people tell, they say thank you to us. And I guess it is us. We're doing it because we are the owners of the company, but the company is paying for it. But because we both agreed to put it in this account and then that's what the account pays for, we're both like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Like we never felt accountable to the money anyway because that's what its purpose was for. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, what if we have like the only time that we distribute th- like excess out of capital expenses and like savings and things like that is like towards the end of, y- end of the year to lessen the tax burden. 
and then even then it's only like a thousand bucks each of us like it's not much and so like i don't ever put money in there expecting that hey this is eventually going to be in my pocket i actually put money in there expecting that hey we're either going to spend all of this or it's going to roll into savings Mm -hmm. and well and the reason why we assuming people listening to this are in the u.s we we are an llc but we have not elected to s corp yet and we definitely could have by now and we're just holding off for structural reasons so uh, we are losing out on a little bit of money because of that, but it's also making the business much more structurally sound. I'll say so. Yeah. So um, nerd stuff. Nerd stuff. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like Cody said, though, it's not really like super recession related. It's just like putting your big boy pants on or big girl pants on, which you mm-hmm. know, or you know, if you're not into pants, uh, skirts or you know, doesn't Can you matter. Have a big girl skirt. I don't know how that works. Yeah, man. A pleated, a pleated long uh, skirt. Uh, with a nice uh, blazer? Hell yeah. Then if it's a big boy skirt, it's a kilt. It would be a kilt, yes. (laughs) I I agree. All right, moving on. What's my next one? Pick recession-proof niches. This is actually a lot harder for e-commerce because a lot of people people like B2C or uh, just consumers in general just get really tight with their money. And um, I think e-commerce brands really get hit the most. E-commerce and manufacturing, I think they get hit, hit definitely the most in a recession and i guess we can only speak from our experience though and the only recession that we're remotely familiar with at this point is well 2008 but we weren't in business then and then um covid so i don't think covid counted as a recession but it was it had the job displacement like a recession did um, yeah, lose jobs. Yeah. yeah. So um, there was a period where we didn't know if our clients were going to stay with us because if our clients started losing jobs and started losing clients, then th- you know marketing was going to be the first thing that they cut. What we found out though was that people who could afford lawn care and afford landscaping still paid for it, and so our clients never actually lost anything. And and in fact, they grew, which in turn, like twenty 2020 twenty in twenty twenty one, were like our biggest years. We exploded. Um, yeah. I, I, well, people could argue lately. There's a lot of weird stuff going on, but recession might not be the best word to describe what's going on in these last or current months. But yeah, we definitely didn't feel <laughs> anything. We didn't feel anything with COVID. So our clientele, I think that there's, you think of landscaping and lawn care, there's a race to the bottom for some businesses where they're going to keep working their way down to maintain customers and clients. And then they work with uh, continually lower income customers. And if we were dealing with that, then maybe when you, I mean, a race to the bottom is losing no matter what. So our clients have customers who mostly just started working from home and then they're working from home. So lawn care, that's one thing where they're just, yeah, they got to keep doing it. Nothing's changing there. And then if anything, they started prioritizing their landscaping more because they're spending more time at home. So uh, exactly. Yeah. But we are seeing a flip on that though. So like during COVID, it was weird because it wasn't technically a recession, but it had the job displacement like recession. However, people who were paying for people were home, like Cody was ex- uh, explaining and then paying for landscaping services because they got to sit at their uh, shitty yard all day. But like now what we're seeing now that people are actually fearing uh, an actual recession, we're actually seeing those landscaping and hardscape jobs from our clients drop like they're 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 struggling to get those high-end dollar projects but lawn care and lawn maintenance is still the same that hasn't changed at all and what it comes down to is mostly people who can afford lawn care and lawn maintenance aren't the ones with that are losing jobs just the same as covid however they are still being more conscious with their heavier items to purchase like a you know 
ten to twenty thousand dollar landscaping job. So we have a niche that has kind of its downsides from a recession, but it also has its plus sides for a recession. So if we're expecting to go into a hard time, we can advise our clients, hey, we should focus on lawn care and lawn maintenance. And the only reason we know this is because we've gotten feedback from our clients on on what services or people are still prioritizing. So if you're considering a niche now or maybe you currently have one and you're not sure if it's recession proof think about your clients clients and and who's affording their services uh one thing that works really well in recessions is roofing because everybody needs a good roof and roofing is typically replaced with insurance costs so it, it this is only just knowing from firsthand experience but if you have a niche where insurance is involved and people need the service, plumbing, HVAC, things like that, those are services that people need no matter what. It's not a luxury service like lawn care is or landscaping. I don't know. Cody, can you think of any niches that are like awful for recessions? Yeah, travel. Oh, yeah. Travel blows. Uh, don't. <laughs> it's it's feast and feast of famine. I say that because I had a friend who was working for a travel marketing company and she was displaced at the time. So, Oh, like during COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, but I think some things to keep in mind with that, and it's something that we think about too. I think anybody who's in business for themselves and looking to grow and work on the stability of their business, I my mindset is always operations. So what things that I'm thinking about are how can we only further stabilize ourselves and make ourselves less dependent as time goes on on volatilities in the market and in everything. And so like we don't want to stop just at landscaping and lawn care. We we know local lead generation. So there's a lot, I mean, long-term I'm saying five, 10, so on years, but as we can expand, we can make that more and more stable while still working within our expertise. So I think if you want to make sure that you're being as uh, recession-proof as possible, yes, pick a uh, niche that's safer <laughs> and, and more resilient in that case, but also don't get complacent, don't get stuck keep growing and working to see more ways that you can make your business stable and and the ways that you can grow and do that too. And that might not even be in new niches. It might just be, what are you bringing in-house instead of relying on somebody else? And what what comes to mind with this, with marketing is I think of, let's say e-com, the companies that are going to rely either, there are businesses that exist solely because of Google and Amazon. And you could even argue that we're potentially a Google business because so much of our focus is on Google and we drink their Kool-Aid. But we could still, if Google was gone, you know, people still need websites. People are going to find the websites in different ways and they're still going to need digital marketing, whether it's not, whether or not it's with Google. But same thing with Amazon or Etsy. There are sellers who, their entire business is dependent on this one software or platform. And it's very smart the more you can diversify. And as it comes, diversification is a later thing. First, I think you double down, go kick butt, go dominate something. And then as you're given the ability to diversify, then go from there and grow with different facets. I mean, yeah. And this this is like, we speak from a, a B2C, a business to consumer standpoint of recession proofing. So when you pick a niche, for instance, for like business to consumer, things that are necessary or things that are luxury services that people who aren't displaced can afford, those are good niches. Now, if you're in the business to business space, so let's say you do marketing for a software company that sells to other businesses, this, it could be a good thing for you and it could be a bad thing. One, it could be because businesses are not investing as as much as they um, as they used to, but it could be a good thing for you because during recessions, this is when businesses try 
things, try new things. They try new things to push the needle because they do need to survive. And not everybody is going to survive just by cutting back. You have to still grow, even in a recession, even if the term growth is just staying in the black. And if your company or your client offers a solution that's a lower cost or maybe has a direct impact on ROI that's higher than, you know, maybe some of their competitors. And the first thing I would do is target my client's competitors and and target their clients uh, as a either a lower cost solution or different solution for your client's clients to try. And it's weird to hear about like cutting back and people, I, I know it's, it's knee jerk in a lot of cases. Uh, and it depends how you built your business. <laughs> Because when I think of that and I hear people cutting back, it's usually on things they shouldn't have been buying or spending money on anyway in the first place because they were never working that well. Uh, so if they're cutting back on things that just were inefficient or not effective, great, good. You should have never paid for it in the first place. It's a bad use of money. You're not. You weren't investing in the right places. But if you cut back and that's the that's it, that's all you're saying, and you're cutting back on the things that are working too, that's a good way to disappear, I think. I mean, we're, I'm biased because yeah. we're marketers. Well, yeah. But and we're the first thing that people cut back marketers and coaches you are yep. the first on the chopping block uh yep. so if you're not like actively showing value so go back to the first episodes to figure out how to show value because if you're not actively showing that especially in times like now you're going to get cut mm-hmm. which this is i'm glad this is our first topical one because it's like actually during what everybody is fearing right now and i think as long as you are in a good niche you're you're comfortable that you're lean uh that you're not investing in things you don't need to be investing in then you're in a good spot and that you're showing your value but there's one more thing that i have and it is uh possibly offer a low cost solution so whatever your costs are now even if you are the low cost solution uh great maybe this next tip isn't for you but for us it might be applicable um we can we actually consider our our foundational package like a low cost solution but even our minimum onboarding of like three thousand a month or three thousand initially plus seven fifty a month. Even like that's not low cost for some people. And uh, people who are you know job displaced, for instance, in our industry, they might cut their teeth by cutting lawns and actually just taking their lawnmower out and mowing lawns, things like that. Well, they need marketing too, but they can't afford someone to actually pay for it. So one thing that you can consider is trying to find a very low cost package that's just very foundational for them. Like, I don't know, a hundred bucks a month or some blueprint that you sell for a hundred bucks and it's just transactional. They just pay for it. And then that's it. They do it themselves. Either way, it's a low cost solution that you can then help grow some of your bottom line while capturing some of these people who are also looking for different solutions during times like these. Yeah, I think that there's kind of two ways to look at the way that you sell things and the way that people buy them. And something that's important for us, because we are asking for more money, kind of the the higher tiers is we talk about ROI a lot. Are our, 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 our clients getting a positive return on their investment are they making more than they're spending with us right that is our that's a big chunk of our value is just mutual profitability we talk about that a lot but there's also say you're not maybe that's not your angle and you have a different angle maybe it's branding and that sort of thing and i i don't feel as comfortable because we that's not our angle it's not our expertise so that's not the way that we approach it but one thing that you can think about with that is just is what your client or customer is spending worth the money that they're paying from their perspective because some things just aren't cost effective when you try to think about it from an ROI point of view but are they happy with what they're paying and do they feel like they're getting their money's worth with what they're paying to and when you think about it that way that's a easier way to approach it instead of having to deal with the math it's just uh, emotional 
or you know it's it's a service that they need, but they don't know how to do, and maybe it doesn't actually make them money, but they have to do it for their business. That's that kind of mentality. So uh, one example that I guess we would do is we don't focus on it because it's not a big priority for us, but we do have just website maintenance clients. So they need a website. They don't know how to manage it. We do take care of it. It doesn't make us a lot of money. That's not our focus. It's not something that we even want to grow. But there is a small baseline that, yeah, okay, so we make some money from it. We really don't pay attention to it. But <laughs> they, they are able to get um, the service that they need in a cost-effective way. Um, and it's still better than trying to bring it in-house, having to do it themselves or hire someone or outsource it locally. You know, I mean, it is worth it from their point of view, even if they don't view it as a marketing thing, they think of it as a admin thing, it's still worth the money that they're spending. So that's a low cost solution. And they're happy with it. So we're not technically in a recession. It's, it's August 5th at the time of this recording. We're not technically in a recession right now because the definition of recession, right, is two down quarters. Yep. And we had one, but we're trending to, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty apparent that this one's also going to be down as well for our GDP. Cody, what is your take on a recession at this point? Do you think it's a, do you think it's necessary to get back out of it or are you scared? Okay. Two layers, two layers. First, I think what, what people are more freaking out about right now is inflation. And cause everybody's feeling that everybody is absolutely. And that's the thing, like hyperinflation kills wealth. So even rich people <laughs> who have made lots of money, can just have the wealth that they've built decimated. So I think that's more on people's minds. And I see it every day I get groceries. Like, I've never spent so much on my groceries in my life. I've never been this healthy, too, to be fair. So just, just <laughs> more on myself are spending like uh 150 a week. Yeah. I mean that's, that's and, where we're and at. we get cheap stuff too. Like we we always get store bought or store brand. We always like get like really low cost uh meals. Like we're we're not out there like making avocado toast every day. Yeah, we but had we had I, we had, uh, we had homemade lo mein with fettuccine noodles last night. And same. if you don't know why, we, yeah, because well, one well, you can get great value fettuccine noodles, and fettuccine noodles are like ninety cents or sixty cents or whatever compared to like lo mein noodles, which are like three bucks a thing. I say fancy, but I need, you just said homemade, so that's fancy to me because I just do a pretty terrible job at at cooking. I mean, I, I eat healthy things and I cook, but like to me, cooking is like I made a salad. Like that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well lauren cooks all of it and she wasn't a cook before she met me but she took it up because if she doesn't cook i won't eat and she's mm. afraid i'll starve to death which i will <laughs> nice well what do you think you think we're we're going into one yeah well i think we're going into one but i also i'm gonna have a hot take and yep yeah, and i want to go through a recession mm. Because for, well, for me, I know that we're in a recession proof niche. I know that my job in our agency is secure. Um, we don't have any overhead. It's not going to really affect us. And I just bought a house. So if you don't know, interest rates are sky high right now. Like uh, we're like 5.2% interest rate. It's insane. And for what that's worth, that's like equivalent to like an extra $400 in my mortgage a month and if we go through if we go through a recession the federal reserve has to slash interest rates in order to come out of it to get people to put more money back into the system invest in uh, or get loans and actually spend money so as soon as interest rates get slashed to almost nothing uh we're refinancing the house immediately to save us like 400 bucks a month and from a buyer's perspective i am excited about low interest rates um if you're getting close to retirement 
you are probably not excited about low interest rates mm-hmm. and you know the stock value is still gonna probably plummet while people are spending money but uh it you know it depends on who you are and where you're at in life if you know coming in recession because not everyone's affected and some people are positive like this if we go into a recession this is going to positively impact my current living situation mm-hmm. yeah I, that's that's where i that's where i stand i I'm, I'm not afraid of it and not everybody should be afraid of it i would imagine a large number of people who would listen to this if they are afraid shouldn't be uh, just because I, here's let me let me put myself down a little bit i have some pretty elitist mentalities <laughs> i think that i think that i believe in the be so good they can't ignore you so get really good at stuff get better than everybody else seriously like sink more time do the stuff other people aren't willing to do and then you won't have the problems other people have it's it wouldn't be hard i i would i would it sounds dark but i would welcome a recession because that would give us time to work on things like uh, creating do-it-yourself solutions. That'd be a lot of fun to be able to create products for people to be able to do it themselves because we will learn something new. That'd be exciting. And we get to market more in the product space as opposed to the service space. And that sounds fun. Don't we have a risk? Isn't it like a recession like every 10 years? Yeah, supposedly. Because I mean, before 2008, there was a dot. Was the dot-com crash a recession? Mm, that was a little further, but I don't, I don't oh. know. Not old enough. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, so it's almost inevitable in the life cycle of an economy. So if we're going to go through a recession this next uh, month or so, uh, as uh, Q3 ends, you can uh, can expect to have another one in 10 to 15 years. So if you can withstand this one, you can withstand the next one. And if you withstood 2008, you'll withstand this one and the next one. We just don't want a a depression. That's a different story. Mm -hmm. I think put your head down. Do the work, get good, and then get really good, son. <laughs> These things don't affect you in the same way. It, it would be like for someone like us, we could go get a very good job very easily. And, you know, anybody listening, you probably have some very good skills that are very marketable. And the more you diversify those and the more you become advanced at them, they become worth a lot to, to people. And they'll pay for them even if they're in a recession or not because they need them. So uh, I, it really just it doesn't affect... Um, it affects people differently. And I think, I, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing I want to drive home is that you shouldn't feel like you should give up if you're just starting this out because uh-huh. you're worried that people aren't going to buy your services or you can dedicate work hard, you know, more work at your day job or something like that. If you weren't focused on building something now, I think now is the perfect time to start building something and working towards it because while your competitors are scared, uh, you shouldn't be because ultimately in this industry, yeah, marketing is on the first part of the chopping block. But if you're going through the right, right customers, if you have the right services, you know, you're going to experience normal churn rate and people leaving people deciding that they don't want to spend their money because they're afraid of the recession. But then there's also people who are of good business mindset and that if they're lacking on customers because customers are dropping them, then they're going to realize that they need more and they need to learn how to get more. So as, as long as you do have a, a lead focused or an ROI focused service that you're offering, you'll be just fine. Yeah. If anything, you're going to be better off than the bigger agencies out there because mm-hmm. you're more agile. You're able to make, you can move things faster. You can make changes faster and you don't have, you're not, what are you locked into, right? If you're bootstrapped or you're just starting up and you're working from home, what are your expenses? You got nothing. I mean, these bigger ones, they get the buildings, they get, you know, uh, they, they get lots of expenses that they then are obligated to take care of. And then when things hit, they're forced to make 
tough decisions but you and ultimately the goal for some people is to get to that big business situation where you are forced to hit hit those tough decisions and that's okay but right now while you're growing you can take a different approach just know like you know in 10 years when you're big that the approach is your approach is going to change you're not going to be as agile and you have to be okay with that Mm -hmm. but for right now you need to make money now you want to make money now you want to grow now this is your approach is being agile and and not having that corporate tape that your competitors have it's okay to think negatively about your competitors because they have that corporate tape but just know that that is in there because they're preventing problems that you have yet to experience Mm -hmm. yeah and and when you get to that point in 10 years remember this and put some money in savings and don't be like every other american company that panics because they don't have a month to pay their employees for (laughs) that's that's what i never blow my minds yeah when they're like Oh, how like the companies, they need money to make payroll because they only have, you know, six weeks. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Why do you not have money? I can see companies that have like razor thin margins, like airlines. Like I think they have like a, like a one to 3% margin. Like it's like super razor thin. So I can, I can see things like that. And like, why do they need need to be bailed out? But then there's other companies like marketing agencies where it's like, why is your margin so low? You don't have savings. Like you, every all you do is profit like <laughs> you sell people's hours they work and then you get money for it how do you not have money saved up yeah. i mean i guess if you pay them extremely well but even then you should be able to talk to them and say hey we're we're not giving you the absolute maximum because we do put some money in for, into savings for a rainy day because that's your job and your responsibility as a company you signed up for that too mm-hmm. yeah care and, yeah that's that's another thing too like uh like the the ppp loans that everybody abused like 60 yep. percent of companies abused which was like the government gave up ppp loans a kind of payment protection program or whatever to, yeah yeah to to keep people on payroll and not displace them when their businesses were closed but what you could do with those is literally just apply for it and then pay your employees that even if you weren't closing or even if your business was doing well and then just pocketing the extra that you would have used to pay them into profit and yeah. i sent uh, you that message i remember we yeah we looked into it. i sent it to you and i was like so we can just get free money if we want to and you're like yeah i was like i don't feel good about this <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's not because yeah. this feels gross yeah we didn't yeah we didn't do that but we could have and we could have just pocketed that profit forever and uh the other reason too was like i think if you accepted it like the government was going to be in your business for like the next five years and uh, uh yeah and we were doing fine we had no setbacks in fact we grew so we're like now nah, it's not even waste our time with this but yeah that was that was that i'm like well we wouldn't need a ppp program if we just held businesses accountable for their own savings but that's that's the elitist mindset that i have as well it, yeah i don't know work hard be smart don't be an idiot and you won't need government handouts yeah which is handouts from your own money technically it's just so, money back yeah well i think that's all we have i don't really want to hit this topic too hard because it gets just it gets boring after a while i'm already bored yeah and depressing and just don't don't think about it that hard i mean don't don't focus on this too deeply just be like oh yeah no that's a thing but yeah go hustle i don't know yeah i mean we're probably like the 100th person you've heard about or heard talk about this you know tent in the marketing industry but i feel like hey it's a recession let's talk about it and then we can next episode we can go back to our regular scheduled program sounds good all right man well everybody thanks for listening we'll see you next time see you